Welcome back. We are in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. Let's go. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. We've got Joseph getting thrown into prison because his master's wife trapped him. She deceived him. He wouldn't sleep with her. He held the high ground. He did what God wanted him to do. The easy thing would have been to give in and say, huh, I can have sex with my master's wife. Let's do this, right? But he, is, he knows that that would not be right in God's eyes, and he didn't want to betray his master like that. So he wanted to honor him. A lot of people would be like, wait a minute, some guy's controlling me. I'm going to, you know, he's been hurting me. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get vengeance. I'm going to sleep with his wife. This will show him. And that's really where our society has gone is vengeance, right? If you've hurt me, then I need to have something over you. I need to have you in pain. I need to get compensation, something like that. Joseph was like, no, just, you know, treat me the way you need to treat me, but God's still good and God's going to take care of me. And even if that's in prison, God's going to take care of him, right? That's the mentality we want to have, which is you can kick me. You can beat me around. You can say what you need to do. I don't need to get even. I don't need to get compensated for something. Let's just forgive and ask forgiveness and love each other and show the love of Christ. And so... Remember, the, you know, here it says 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God is with you. Don't forget that. No matter how bad of a mental prison or physical prison or emotional prison that you may be in, God is with you. And whatever prison you're in, it's not a surprise to God. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Very quickly, we see Joseph went from prospering under the hands of his master and his master loved him. But then he was betrayed by the master's wife and thrown into prison. You're like, oh my goodness, his brothers gave up on him. They put him in a hole. They lied to his father, told him he was killed. He had to go through that pain. They sold him to uh, human traffickers. He, he was a, a slave to this person in Potiphar's house, and now he's, he's in prison. This is just awful. But Joseph, we don't, we don't see record of him complaining and saying, this is awful, and throwing a pity party for himself, or saying, I don't believe in God anymore, raising his fist at God. He didn't do that. But too easily today, especially in America, people are like, if things didn't go my way in this microwave society where it's get rich quick, if things didn't go my way, there must not be a God. If I got sick, there must not be a God. If someone I love got hurt, there must not be a God. If I lost my job or didn't get that promotion, there must not be a God. That person over there who doesn't love Jesus, he's an atheist, he's this, she's that, they're getting ahead and I'm not, there must not be a God, right? But we need to be like Joseph and just trusting. And God here prospered him and all that he did and everywhere that he went. Here he's in prison and very quickly, I mean, it just skips from being thrown into prison to the keeper of the prison saying, I trust you with everything. I don't even need to double check your work. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm saying that God is going to bless you. So his witness was apparent. He could open up his mouth and tell people about God, but he was also showing people who God is. And it's that show-and-tell theory that I keep going back to that you'll hear me. The kindergartner goes in with their stuffed animal or whatever 
thing they're going to do at show and tell and show and tell show and then tell first you show the item ooh ah and then you tell them and that's what our lives should be we should be showing people who jesus is by how gentle we are how kind we are how forgiving we are and how we ask forgiveness when we screw up because we will screw up and then we have the opportunity after showing them what jesus looks like who jesus is we get to tell them about it verse 40 it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. So the butler, also known as a cup bearer, would protect the wine and often taste it. It was a position of honor and required loyalty. They were part of the royal court and even exerted influence, right? So this was an important person, this butler. Essentially, people were always trying to kill the king, and one of the ways they would do that is to poison their, their drink. And so this person would be that person who would taste the drink to make sure it wasn't poisonous. If they taste it and they fell over dead, the king would not drink it. If they taste it and didn't fall over dead, the king would drink it. So... This is a position of honor and loyalty, uh, just really interesting, so that he threw them in prison. So it's like, who's going to taste your stuff now, uh, <laughs> Bubba? And uh, verse 4, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dreams with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning, and looked at them, and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? So we, this, there's not a whole lot of explanation going on right here. It's, it's fairly self-evident. But one thing is, why do you look sad today? Do you ever look at someone and just notice that they're a little bit off, that maybe they're sad or upset or angry? And what do you do about it? Do you ignore it? Because maybe that person, is that's a cry for help. Maybe they need prayer. Maybe they need someone to talk to, to confide in. Maybe they need someone to help guide them. Maybe they just need someone to just cry on or, or talk to. right? So he recognized a need in someone. He's like, why do you look sad? So let us not be uh, ignorant of people around us who may need help. Uh, may we wake up and ask for a divine appointment that day that God would send, them, send us someone we could love on who might appear sad to us that we could talk to, who may not know Jesus and we can share Christ with them, who knows Jesus but they just need encouragement uh, from another believer, right? So that divine appointment that we can really kind of show up and be there for someone. Verse 8, And they said to him, We each had a, have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. So he's exhibiting that he puts God first in everything. He's like, you're sad because you had a dream and you don't know how to interpret it? Let God do it. So tell it to me, right? He's representing God. And we should represent God where we go. Fortunately, when we represent God well, it can create opportunities to tell people about Jesus and that they would believe us. And unfortunately, when we don't represent God well, and there will be times when that happens, we're not going to be a great witness for God. So may we be the hands and the feet of Jesus, but when we screw up, May people see and may we be strong enough to submit ourselves and say, that weakness was because of me. God is still strong. 
the flesh, the spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so here we go in verse 9. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, it blossomed, shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. 12. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it, right? So just right then, Joseph hears it. God's working through him, and he's going to tell this person what that dream means. Now, we don't, we don't want to or need to do this with all of our dreams. Like, I am one of the most vivid dreamers probably alive today. I'm not saying I'm the, the most, but I am probably one of the most. I have extremely vivid dreams. I wish I did not. Uh, most of them are just bad. I hate them. Or they're just so awkward, and I wake up and I try to think through them. I wish I didn't dream at all. Um, so anyways, that's just a little bit about me. So he says, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the form or manner. So that means just like you did before when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me in the dungeon. So he kind of parlays into this, into, into this interpretation of the dream, into saying, when you're out, remember me. Put in a good word for me, right? I shouldn't have even been here. I was taken away from the land of the Hebrews and put in this prison, this dungeon. So he's kind of telling a story, and that's important because we will see that this actually will come to pass, and the the butler will be let out of prison and restored, but he will, for a time, completely forget about Joseph and the interpretation of the dream, and he won't put in a good word to the king about Joseph. 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream. I also, yeah, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So he's wanting a good interpretation. He's like, whoa, bro, you just gave him a great interpretation. He's going to be let out of prison. He's going to be restored. I want that. So give me my interpretation. So Joseph in 18 says, so Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Okay. Within three days, Pharaoh will, okay, so far it's starting off like the other dream in three days, but it says, we'll lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Ouch, right? Two completely different dreams. They seem kind of similar. Joseph interprets them and he's like, you're good, you're screwed, essentially, right? Those are my words. In three days, you'll be restored to your position. In three days, you're gonna be hung and eaten by birds, right? Pretty scary, and that dude, I'm sure, was like, um, yeah, you know what? I think your interpretation is wrong. <laughs> so verse 20. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph has interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. All right. What does all that mean? 
Joseph was somewhere he didn't want to be. He didn't complain about it, but he did say, basically, now that I've done this thing for you, God has worked through me to interpret this dream. Would you mind putting in a good word? Right? He didn't say, you have to, you owe me, I'm coming after you if you don't do this. He just said, basically, would you please mind? And the guy was like, yeah, I'll do that. But he didn't. Too often, people make these promises, if you will, to God. They're like, you know what? God, if you just get me out of this situation, I will worship you every day of the rest of my life. That almost never happens. Someone gets cured of cancer. Someone's relative uh, doesn't die. Their spouse doesn't divorce them or something. But they don't all of a sudden typically start going to church every day and praying every day and reading the Bible. So it's just a broken promise. So don't make a promise to God that you don't plan on keeping. Joseph here had done a, a great thing. He just told the truth. We want to tell the truth, right? Can you imagine telling a guy, hey, you're going to be hanged in three days? That's a prophecy. That is something that if it didn't come to pass, that the guy would have probably been really upset. You could have freaked this guy out for three days, filled with anxiety, like, I'm going to die. But he just told the truth, not based on feelings, but, but, but what God told him. And today in our society, too much is driven by what people feel, their feelings. Unfortunately, feelings will lie to you. Feelings are not always the truth. The truth is the truth, and that's what God gives us through His Word, His love letter to us, this Bible. And unfortunately, this person who Joseph, uh, the, the person who didn't die, but the one who got restored to their position, forgot about him. And we don't want to forget about people who help us out. We don't want to forget about God, most importantly. I encourage you to make God first and foremost in your life. I think the best application for today is to be grateful for the circumstances we are, kind of like we talked about yesterday, but not turning our backs on God, not forgetting about Him, not just saying, you know what, I'll take care of you, or I'll be there, I'll worship you, or I promise you this. Just love God because He loves you and He never stops. That's that unconditional love. Lord, thank you for the example that you set forth in Joseph, a type of Jesus, one who didn't complain, one who just accepted his position, one who, who accepted that he was going to th go through incredible heartache. Joseph was sold into human trafficking. He was enslaved. He was in prison. Jesus was beat, scorned, made, made to bleed, made fun of, everything. And yet they just loved you. And I pray that in our circumstances, whatever anybody's listening to, what I'm going through in my life right now, I've got a lot going on. I pray that you would just help me and all of us just to reside where we are, be comfortable and confident in where we are and whose we are, not focused on who we are in this life and how important we are or who looks up to us or who respects us, Lord, but to know whose we are. And that is a child of the Most High God. We are your child, God. And I declare my love for you, and I pray that everybody listening to this declares their love for you. And those who don't know you, that they would declare your love, their love for you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be so powerful right here where we are in our circumstances, and not to complain, but to be thankful. In your amazing name we pray. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. 
located in Austin, Texas. License number 288-7886.